You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And we are just about five minutes removed from the Bucks losing a game of basketball. And it is a very strange feeling. We spoke about this. We spoke about this a lot, Frank, about when this was going to happen. It would, it would feel strange when they lose. And we also said that it might happen to a team you wouldn't expect it to. And I think the, the Mavericks without... Luka Doncic qualify uh, in that category. They beat the Bucks 121-16 in a game that got strangely close in the last minute that actually went for about 10 minutes. And uh, this one was pretty frustrating right from the start, uh, I think, Frank, for, for a number of reasons. But uh, they fell short. They lost the game, and the streak is over at 18. Yeah, um, and, you know, I think Giannis Dedekumbo, 48 points, 18 out of 31. <laughs> from the field, 14 rebounds, four assists, steal a block um, in 34 minutes. Uh, you know, it was Giannis and Kyle Korver, basically, were, were the, the only guys that, at least from a, a scoring perspective, um, you know, kind of kind of came to play tonight. Um, Dante DiVincenzo did a, a, bunch of, a bunch of stuff, um, but it didn't include making shots. <laughs> he had five points, 10 rebounds, nine assists. Um, but yeah, you wasted basically the best game Kyle Korver is going to have all year. He scores 17 on six out of eight shooting in 25 minutes. He was plus 16. Um, DiVincenzo was plus <laughs> 10. So to give you a sense of like when kind of things were going well and when things weren't. Um, but overall, I just thought the Bucks. You know, we just did not see the Bucks playing the style of basketball that we're used to them playing. They played only 23 minutes with Lopez brothers tonight. Brooke, just 20 minutes, extremely ineffective. Um, missed two layups on the first possession, and that kind of set the tone for him. And um, just felt like the Bucks never got the, the Mavericks to play the kind of style that the Bucks like to force people into playing. And instead... Um, they, I mean, obviously we're used to the Bucks giving up three point looks, um, but Dallas kind of punished them early. And when the Bucks not shooting great, uh, you know, it just it just felt like whenever then the Bucks made a run, uh, Dallas had answers. And again, just a lack of help for for Giannis overall. Um, again, with with you know a couple a couple of odd odd performances, but um, you know we often talk. I mean, who who do you need support from on a nightly basis? Well. Chris Middleton, Chris was poor, you know, scored, I think a few buckets early, but ends up just nine points out of four out of 12 shooting, uh, you know, a really poor performance after obviously he'd been playing extremely well of late. Brooke Lopez, as we mentioned, really poor one out of eight, three points in 20 minutes. And, uh, you know, Eric Bledsoe, no points because he's hurt. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, lack of support. I mean, you know, 
I think in theory, that's probably the national narrative. Like, can, does Giannis have enough help? And obviously this is a game you look at and say, well, tonight he, he absolutely didn't have enough help because he was a one-man wrecking crew going through that Dallas defense, no matter how many bodies they sent at him. And unfortunately not enough help for him. And on the other side, um, Porzingis hit some big shots. You know, I mean, 26 points on 19 shots. I think you can, you know, live with that. That's not outrageously effective, but um, played some good defense. I thought Jalen Brunson was great. Uh, you know, 13 points on nine shots, not Luka Doncic level numbers, but 11 assists. And I thought he just kept the Bucks off balance. And, um, you know, his drives, even for a guy who's not athletic, I thought he really kept the Bucks, um, you know, overhelping, kept the Bucks in positions they didn't want to be in. And Seth Curry off the bench was terrific as well, 26 points. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, you don't look at any individual number necessarily and say, well, that's why the Bucks lost. Um, you know, we've seen them get outshot from three. Tonight they were a minus five in the three-point department, so minus 15 points. But, you know, we've seen that before. Um, and I think overall just, you know, they – they couldn't make enough sh- enough shots outside of those threes, and uh, aside from Giannis, just just not enough uh, not enough support. And uh, again, it's kind of funny. I thought I always sort of assumed like you know maybe when they the streak ended, it'd be because Giannis just you know kind of has like the first off night that he has in two months, basically or whatever. Like you know he scores seventeen points on you know whatever. Like it just doesn't have an effective night for once. Um, but instead it was the exact opposite where Giannis was absolutely at his best offensively, uh, aside from his three point shot, which missed his last five. But, uh, but yeah, it was, you know, frustrating way to lose just again, feeling like they were kind of fighting in quicksand and just didn't have it. But, um, obviously they, they provide at least a little bit of drama there late when kind of that reserve unit scratched and clawed and, and made it competitive up until really the last seconds of the game. Yeah, I mean, we we have spoke, as I sort of said, about outlier nights and how they could contribute to a loss either way, whether that's one team shooting the hell out of the ball or the Bucks having a, a really cold night. And certainly the first quarter, the way the Mavs came out shooting the ball, and we spoke about this when we sort of previewed this game. We said, okay, they don't have Luka. We're going to expect that they're going to... And, and not that Luka doesn't shoot the three, but we're saying they might be shut down a little bit here. They're going to look to, look to shoot a lot. And they were certainly taking... I mean, they were firing some quick threes in the first quarter and hitting them. And that sort of set the tone for the night. But for Milwaukee, I think this qualifies as an outlier shooting night from three in the in the bad way. Because you, you touched on Kyle Korver, who was great. And it wasn't just his shooting. He, was, uh, he made some good defensive plays. And he made some fantastic yeah. passes. Uh, so it was really an all-around uh, game from Kyle Korver. He shoots five for seven from three. The rest of the Bucks was six for 34 from three, which is 17%. So, I mean, when you look right down the box score, you already touched on Chris Milton, who, by the way, I mean, of course, we, we talk about him being 50, 40, 90 and all these great things in the last pod. And then he comes out and, and has, you know, arguably his worst game for the season. There was another one there. I think it was, was it the Clippers game earlier in the season that we spoke about that he was, he was really off that night as well. But Middleton, one for five from three. Uh, Giannis uh, 1 for 6 from 3 Lopez who you spoke about 0 for 4 DiVincenzo 0 for 3 George Hill 0 for 4 I mean <laughs> it was a disaster shooting the ball and I, I was looking at this game at half time and when the Bucks were trailing 59-56 I was like okay yeah the Dallas shot the, shot the ball pretty well in the first half but the Bucks are rolling now and they're going to have a hot, hot quarter from 3 they're probably going to blow this one away and get up double digits and, and feel comfortable again and it just didn't happen the third quarter the Mavs pushed the lead back out but 
you spoke about the last minute, and and this was kind of crazy. So with a minute left in the game, the Bucks are trailing uh, 112-101. So they're down by 11. And a series of, uh, there was a turnover in there, some missed free throws by the Mavericks. Uh, we get to the point where uh, Giannis misses. So he gets a crazy end one. He misses the free throw. And then Sterling Brown finds himself with the ball right under the basket. The Bucks are only down three with time on the clock. He can either call a timeout. Uh, and I don't necessarily... I saw some people that were frustrated that he didn't. I don't necessarily blame him for that. He got the quick rebound. He thought he could uh, get up a quick shot, make it a 119-118 game. There's still time on the clock. Bucks still have uh, time to foul. Hopefully, there's a miss. But even if they don't, you can call timeout and you're only down three. So you can draw up... Uh, one of those favorite plays we like for uh, <laughs> for, for a Bucks three to tie the game to overtime, but the Bucks legitimately had a, had a chance to take this overtime. That's the point of this, and that Sterling Brown Pazingas uh, ends up blocking the shot. But that was kind of a crazy few seconds there, where you're like, "Holy shit, the Bucks might do something crazy here." Today's podcast is brought to you by Spotify Wrapped. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live or at Locked On Bucks, and we will share and retweet that one for you guys on Twitter. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I, I'm I'm with you. I don't necessarily blame Sterling for um, for trying to get the layup. I mean, Porzingis made a nice play. It's hard not uh, to, right? That's, yeah, the and it was. It, yeah, and I mean, it was a little bit of bad luck too. It kind of gets knocked out on yeah. Sterling. You know, could it could obviously, you know, Porzingis blocks out of bounds, and you got a chance to to inbound down three with a chance to tie it. So, uh, you know, in, in any scenario, I mean, it's it's a low. You're playing a low percentage game regardless. Um, but yeah, if you get the quick two, you still have the timeout and and I think a few seconds still to uh, to play the foul and and uh, and pray game. Um, but yeah, I, I think and again, like this is where. The, you know, as a coach, you have to also make the players aware of, you know, the scoring situation and what you want them to do. So if, you know, because the coaches have, you should be telling the players out there, like, okay, if there's a rebound, yeah. you know, here, kick it out for a three or whatever. Right. And, and again, who knows if anybody, any instructions were given, but whatever it was, it was a not unreasonable thing to do, but obviously, um, you know, Sterling pretty forgettable night offensively for him along with, you know, most of the rest of this team. He was one out of six, uh, two points um, on the night, and, you know, just sort of punctuated it with uh, with getting swatted at the rim. So, uh, yeah, but but it was interesting that it kind of came down to that. And, I mean, on the flip side, you know, Giannis' free throw shooting um, had been okay up to that point. He was 11 out of 15 uh, at the point where he missed that to make it 11 out of 16. But, again, you know, he – Generally, you know, tonight was, again, unfortunately, 11 out of 16 is relatively better for him uh, this season, which, which is not a good sign. Um, but, uh, you know, the, this is one of those things. If, if, if you're in the playoffs, if you're in these situations, like you're going to need him to be a reliable free throw shooter, and, and obviously he hasn't been. So, um, you know, it worked out that it actually was a good thing because they had a chance to get two more points. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, pr- pretty amazing – last you know whatever it was 15 seconds for Giannis when he comes back into the game I mean interesting to wonder if they bring him back earlier does that change anything although I think if if he's still in the game um you know you had to state it was sort of those things like I mean the 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 Mavericks also obviously pulled some of their guys um so if Giannis is out there kind of keeping the pressure on I mean 
you know, does Porzingis get pulled? Does some of these other guys get pulled? I mean, that's the obvious kind of question. So, um, again, I, I didn't, the Bucks did not look like a team that was going to come back. I think they were down <laughs> about 14 with maybe three minutes or something like that left three, four minutes when Giannis got pulled. So, you know, I wasn't super pissed off about it. Um, I thought it was, I was kind of curious if he was going to bring him back, uh, earlier though, when, um, you know, when they got it to like six or eight point or eight points, uh, with less than a minute left, but, uh, yeah, strange, strange way to end the game. And, and obviously, you know, as we were talking about last night, I mean, this is the first time they've been in that situation of trailing in the last five minutes of game right. and literally, you know, five, five weeks or whatever it's been. So, um, so that, that definitely a, uh, a unique situation for them to, to be in in the first place. Yeah, I mean, you want to win, <laughs> like, clearly. But uh, I guess to see that sort of... Because you, you are going to find yourself in, in those positions at some point where you maybe are down and you don't necessarily want to play the foul game yet, but you need to force a turnover. And, and how can you execute in those situations? And I thought, um, you know, obviously they got that one turnover, one turnover and, and got the ball back and then scored. Uh, how do you score really, really quickly when you need to if a team's pressing up on you? Well, I think we found the answer. Get Giannis to run uh, full speed at the basket and he's probably going to get uh, a dunk. But yeah, I mean, I, I think from from that point of view, it was it was good to see the Bucks in some of those situations. And I do think you learn from that. It's such a it's such a weird thing, that stat that um, you mentioned that uh, I think it was Zach Graham with the ringer that, with the tweet that, yeah, they, they just hadn't been behind at all. And this game was kind of weird because it did feel like it was over. And then it was kind of just a bunch of weird situations. I mean, if the Bucks ended up winning this game, it would have been one of the more miraculous comebacks you, you could ever remember. But uh, I, I when you talk about the free throw shooting, uh, an interesting point to make, and again, when not looking to put the blame on anyone. And certainly if you look at this game, you're not going to say, well, Giannis with 48 points and didn't have much help, but you put any blame on him. But if he does make that late, late free throw, then it's 119-117. Then you foul. Uh, Hardaway Jr. was a guy who ended up going to the foul line. He missed one. Then again, you give yourself that position to hit that three for overtime. So a, a bunch of, you know, opportunities at the end to actually extend this game which is wild, but I, I also don't have a problem with Giannis sitting at that point because, uh, you know, he had played 34 minutes, which, again, is not overdoing it, but he was working so hard for everything, and he played that whole stretch of the fourth quarter up until that point when he went down. The game did feel like it was over, and to be honest, he just looked like he needed a rest. Like, he looked like he was really, really tired, and uh, we know he was a little bit sore last week. He had a game over, so uh, for mine, no problems with, with taking him off uh, either. I think the bigger um, thing out of this game is when we, you spoke about uh, the guys that weren't able to get it going and Chris Milton obviously plays 28 minutes he was only a, a minus one strangely enough in in those minutes and he wasn't one of the guys that was on the court late uh, but Brooke Lopez either you touched on it but only 20 minutes that has to be one of his lower uh, counts for the season and it wasn't just him struggling from three which was seen this season he couldn't score inside either and he was missing some easy ones he was frustrated early uh, a really, really rough night for him. Uh, and maybe it's a tough matchup. I mean, Pazingas isn't the most physical guy, but he is a rim protector. Uh, Powell is an athletic guy at least, but uh, just a, a really rough night for Brook on, on a maybe in a game where you, you think you can get something out of him. Yeah, and I, I'm struggling with a little bit. And the Bucks have had success going to switching defenses, uh, and they don't do it obviously a lot. Mm-hmm. We saw it in the second quarter pretty extensively starting. I mean, that's usually the sign of when things are going off the rails for the Bucks yeah. when they they go to that switching lineup with Giannis at center. 
Um, and it just felt like they, they weren't, and it just feels like they've typically been in better, I don't know, like in a better, um, in, in kind of more organized than they were in this game. Um, and, you know, part of the issue is I thought there were just a number of examples of just like individual breakdowns in man defense. And I mean, there's one example where Yana, they get, they were getting back on defense. I forget who it was, but one of the Dallas players just beat his man off the dribble and just went in for a layup. And Giannis literally wasn't even looking at it. Like he was, he was literally not even looking right. There's no Brook Lopez back there protecting the rim. Uh, Giannis should obviously at least have some semblance of uh, some sense of what's going on in the rest of the court. But literally he was just getting back into defense. And by the time he turns around, the guy had, had scored a layup. And so, um, you know, that's obviously kind of one of those things. If, you know, this, the switching defense is, is generally helpful if a team is, is doing tons of pick and roll and they're relying on you to react to that in some way other than a switch, right. Or trying to create a mismatch. Uh, and it felt like the, the Mavericks kind of just didn't play into the Bucks' hands in that respect. Like, you know, I mean, you just think about the way why teams use switching events because they're getting killed in pick and roll. Okay, you go to switches, or you know they're getting killed off screens, something like that. You go to switching, and then you force teams to try to beat you one on one. But again, it, it felt like it almost wasn't even getting to that at points, um, and at other points it felt like um, you know at other times it kind of felt like uh, they were overhelping, especially when Lopez was in originally, which you know is is something that. Um, has been a theme. I mean, we saw them overhelping. They got so scared of Kawhi Leonard hitting mid-range jumpers last year during those East Finals that they started to overhelp on those and, you know, started giving up more valuable shots to to the Fred Van Vliet's of the world, who obviously also completely shot the lights out during that stretch of three games or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's one of those things that when you think about potential flaws in the Bucks defense, I think, you know, that's probably the one thing that, that, has carried over, you know, if there's one thing that's carried over a bit from the kid days to the bud days, it's that they do sometimes get kind of over helpy, um, which, you know, is interesting because of, you know, the, the conservative nature of just the zone drop style, but it does feel like at times they, uh, they do get, they do kind of overreact. Uh, and, and because of that, they can be susceptible to some ball movement and, and, you know, kicking around the perimeter and, and guys getting open looks. So, um, so yeah, it's you know again, this was one of those games where just stuff didn't didn't go their way. You know, guys were making shots, but uh, you know Seth Curry he hit some great shots. You know, some really tough shots, but then he also just kind of drove by guys and got to the near the paint and just hit kind of short little leaners off the glass. That uh, you know Seth Curry is not exactly Dwayne Wade off the bounce, right? <laughs> like yeah. uh, you know he when he's getting to spots that close, that means you did something wrong defensively and. Uh, you know, I think I think there's going to be a lot on film from this game that the Bucks coaching staff is is going to obviously have to kind of stew over and, and sort of work through because um, you know again they they kind of went away pretty quickly from what they normally do and again I, I don't know I mean it's it's I start with a little bit so the the Mavs can do that because you know Maxi Kleba can shoot threes he was two out of five tonight. Um, obviously Porzingis, you know, who was guarded by Giannis initially tonight, uh, obviously, you know, Chris Apps can shoot threes. He had some just bombs that were kind of the emotional daggers, uh, in that fourth quarter, I felt like, um, and you know, Powell only played 19 minutes had five fouls. He's willing to shoot them. He's not necessarily yeah. great at them, but he was 0 for four tonight. So yeah, it, it felt like maybe they were just sort of a little too quick to go away from Brooke in some respects, but 
again, when Brooke is that bad offensively, you know, it's kind of hard to look at it and say, well, you know, you, you, you took away a weapon that you needed, right? Because if Brooke is, is poor offensively and the other team isn't really kind of playing into your style defensively, then, then I definitely can see kind of going away from that. But, um, you know, it's, it, again, it, it just felt like the Mavericks did a really nice job of, I mean, they were just the better team tonight. Um, and it, it it's interesting, you know, look at the kind of fundamentals, a lot of the stuff we normally look at. We mentioned the three-point differential, obviously, in favor of the Mavericks, but not catastrophically so. Um, both teams shoot 41 threes. Obviously, Mavs hit five more. That's a, a very real difference, obviously. Um, but Bucks were also plus 22 in the paint, you know, Giannis yes. in particular. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 58 to 36, Bucks 27 to 11 uh, advantage in fast break. Bucks had an 82% defensive rebound rate, so they were terrific. Didn't give up second chances. And the Mavericks, I think, do normally force turnovers. Bucks only eight, uh, only nine team turnovers. Uh, so they took did a really nice job taking care of the ball. Had a plus five differential in turnovers. So you know, again, it's not like there were. You know, and obviously, this game was you know decided by four points. So you'd expect that there necessarily weren't any super crooked numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely felt like a game that um, ultimately a lot of things kind of that normally go the Bucks' way did. But you know, again, I think too much of that was just Giannis being superhuman and unfortunately not getting uh, support from, in particular, Chris and, and Brooke Lopez tonight as far as just you know putting up their home scoring numbers. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Breaking Tea. If you're looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to breaking.com slash locked on. There's a great shirt out there for all fans. Go to breakingtea.com slash locked on, and then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken a lot about uh, Brook Lopez defensively and the fact that even though he hasn't been shooting the threes, he's still... You could make a strong case to say he's been the second most important buck because what he what he does do defensively, and then also uh, if he's just spacing the floor, it's great. But yeah, he he seemed uh, well and truly off in in every aspect uh, offensively tonight. That he almost played himself off the floor a little bit there. And then uh, I will say, like his organization and the structure that brings the defense when he's not out on the floor for such a, a big period, you really notice that. And the other guy we haven't mentioned, we should talk about Bledsoe. The fact that he wasn't out there because when uh, these Mavericks players are getting uh, past that point of attack and getting into the paint so easily, which they were all night long. And again, you're talking about Jalen Brunson, who I think is a pretty good player. Like he is, he yeah. is a he's a crafty guy with the ball. He played really well against the Bucks last season, uh, and 11 assists, just two turnovers for him, uh, only 13 points. But his ability again to just make plays is. I feel I do feel like this is kind of a lazy comparison, so forgive me for this. But he honestly has a lot of he doesn't have the size first of all, but he's got a lot of Brogdon about him, and and the fact that he's kind of you're fine with him with the ball. He's in control. He makes smart decisions. He even though he's not that athletic, he can get past uh, that uh, primary defender and get into a spot and make a pass or finish at the at the rack. He's a, he's a nice player, and Seth Curry, who is he kind of like even when he has the ball in his hands. For me, I was kind of like. Holy shit! He might just like bury a, a long three here, or or make a tough shot. He's got that. He's got that curry genes, obviously, and and he was really damaging tonight. But yeah, Bledsoe. I think uh, for all the talk that we've had, you know, questioning things, looking into the future, I think you do forget how much of an impact he has had defensively, uh, and hasn't missed a lot of games for the Bucks since he's got here. He's, he's hardly missed, and he was someone that had 
injury history going back uh, you know, right in his past. But since he's been in Milwaukee, he's only missed a handful of games and they haven't had to go through stretches where uh, he, he's not there. And for all the good that Dante DiVincenzo does defensively, and he's, he's excellent and he came up with a bunch of steals again tonight, uh, a big block shot, but he's not... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to put this. He's, he's, the way that he impacts the game defensively is very erratic and he's not a, a stable presence defensively that you might say... Eric Bledsoe is in terms of, yeah, he's going to be flying around everywhere. When you talk about overhelping, that's what DiVincenzo does. He reads the passing lane and he'll jump that and try and get a steal. That also isn't always going to work and you can be exposed a little bit here. So I'm not just saying it was DiVincenzo, but yeah, he's, his style of defense. I mean, you put him in the starting lineup, take Bledsoe out. You're probably going to feel that a little bit. Yeah, I think the big thing they missed tonight was just, you know, again, Dante is athletic, but um, he's not going to just take the ball from the top of key and blow by his guy for a layup. Like yeah. that's, that's just not kind of his game. We didn't um, even point to the score. And this is one of the things when Bledsoe missing, yeah. like the defense yeah. we focus on a lot. He's also a guy that can get you 30 points and the Bucks needed someone to get points tonight. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, even 16 points, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If, if Bledsoe gets you 16 points on 12 or 13 shots tonight, that would have been a lot better than pretty much, you know, all the other guys that were <laughs> out there. Uh, trying to support Giannis and you know, even George Hill, who's been you know on fire from three this year, four out of ten, over four from three tonight. I mean, ten points still, but uh, you know, again, so, again, George Hill's not going to shoot fifty three percent or whatever all season long, so that that number was bound to come down. But um, but yeah, I mean that, that that is the challenge when you lose Bledsoe. Um, if you're again, if guys are making threes, um, then then think you're you know you're probably things are probably going to go your way, especially if you play at a high level defensively. But uh, tonight, you know, 114 defensive rating, um, that's far, far north of where the Bucks typically are. I think they're around 101, 102 um, this season. And, and again, they, you know, especially without Brooke out there for, you know, more than half the game, they just didn't look like, you know, the Bucks team that we're used to seeing. Give credit to the Mavs because I think they kind of forced the Bucks to rethink what they were doing. And, you know, when the Bucks went to plan B, with that switching defense, um, you know, again, it, it, it worked sort of for, for a while, uh, you know, the first and third quarters of the Mavs, the second and fourth with the Bucks. Um, but ultimately, you know, the Bucks, the Mavs plus 14 in that first quarter, Bucks plus 11 in the second and Bucks go, I think they were up what 67, 66. And then, um, you know, I think, I think Giannis might've gotten subbed somewhere around there. And then um, Mavs go on a run. I think it was 80 to 69. Middleton hit like a short jumper, and that was that was pretty much it. But the Bucks went cold, couldn't get stops. And you know that was that was kind of I don't want to say that was it because obviously it got a little adventurous in the end. But um, you know they kind of kept the Bucks at, at arm's length, no matter <laughs> no matter Giannis's Herculean efforts to uh, to, to suggest otherwise. So I will say if I you know when I when I look up and down the box score and and we've spoke a lot about Lopez and and that 20 minutes really does stand out. It's interesting that uh, despite a game where the Lopez brothers hardly play, it was certainly the choice of Bard to go with a lot of Sterling Brown. And it's very notable that DJ Wilson didn't play at all. Um, it's, I mean, we spoke a lot about the fact that uh, or trying to figure out where DJ sits in, in the pecking order. Uh, it's kind of, I don't know. I mean, if if he's not going to play in a game like tonight where where Bud doesn't want to go for the Lopez brothers at all, I wouldn't say that's a 
great sign for where he sits in in terms of getting minutes and trying to figure out whether he's a guy that you can play. I mean, it, we we don't really know at this point because he hasn't had a lot of opportunities. And the fact he didn't play tonight is um, a little bit concerning if you're someone who wants to wants to see what you got with uh, DJ. Yeah, I mean, Ursan ended up, you know, getting uh, kind of some some late buckets there yeah. uh, as the Bucks were kind of, you know, going from um, down a dozen to, whoa, you know, they're looking kind of frisky. But, uh, I mean, we've talked about before. I mean, <laughs> look, Ursan's a smart defender, but putting him out there with four small guys, uh, he is not the Giannis replacement that you're looking for. Uh, and, you know, it has so happened the Bucks kind of obviously sort of maybe lulled the, the Mavs to sleep a little bit and, and kind of got back in the game. But, um, you know, there there's sort of limitations to him, and I think especially in a game where it felt like the the court was very open uh, and the Bucks were not really able to get the Mavs into spots where there was help. Um, or, you know, that that's the kind of game where Urston is, is going to be in trouble. Uh, and, you know, this was a game I, I don't think – I don't think you came away from this game looking at Ursan as a guy that like, Oh yeah, that's definitely a guy that you can count on to play in every playoff series against every opponent. This is kind of one of those games where, uh, and to his credit, I think he's been, I think he's allayed a lot of those concerns I had last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think he was the guy, I mean, he had a great, what was it? It was a game two, I think, uh, against the Raptors that kind of helped them win that game. Um, I don't think he was the reason they lost that series or anything like that. Uh, but I, I think obviously that there's just matchups with quicker athletic guys uh, at the four or five when he's asked to defend, especially in space, he's just not going to be able to do it. Uh, and, and again, a lot of those guys are give other guys problems as well, but um, you know, this was just one of those, one of those games I thought was a little more obvious. And it's actually, it was ironic that Corver, um, you know, jumped in the rejuvenation machine because uh <laughs> You know, this was not necessarily the kind of game that I would say, you know, considering everything I just said about the Bucks and how the court was not as congested as they like it. uh, The fact that Corver is out there blocking jump shots and, you know, rest trying to wrestle the ball away on, you know, high pick and rolls. uh, And, you know, he had the block, he gets the ball, he runs the court uh, and makes the pass to Giannis for an in one. You know, there there was, again, yes, he hit threes. Um, but it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just the offense that was impressive for Corver. I mean, he uh, he he was not exposed in the way that that maybe I, you, you fear as much. And again, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Kyle Corver is now you know switchable and playable in a, a series against the Clippers or something like that. Uh, I would definitely not say that. But uh, but it was it was a cool thing to see because obviously you know he's a vet. Uh, I think he's a uh, you know he was a quality agent, even if it was just for the locker room. But that's tonight. I mean, we saw what he could do just giving you a guy that even when everybody else is, you know, seemingly struck by the jump shot flu, um, you know, Corver, Corver always seems to kind of figure it, figure it out, uh, which, you know, especially of late, maybe we hadn't seen that as much. So nice to see him respond a little bit. Um, but obviously, yeah, he, let, let's just say is given how things have been, given how things have been going, if you told me that Kyle Corver was going to score 17 points tonight, I would have said, okay, there's no way the Bucks are losing this game, but you know, unfortunately he was one of two guys who really outperformed their normal high, their normal levels tonight. Giannis being the other one. Um, and, uh, again, in a night where your defense really didn't, didn't, uh, you know, execute and really didn't kind of look like what you're used to, you know, substandard offense, definitely substandard defense. 
yeah, this is this is the this is the recipe for losing, shockingly. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, we spoke a lot about yeah you know, how much he can he can play in the playoffs, but I think at any point during the season, you get a five for seven from three night from Corby. You you really hate to waste that. Like you want that to be the night where that mm-hmm. uh, he goes on that little burst, and that's all you need to to create that separation. Unfortunately for tonight, it was every time you hit a three, you were like, man, they really really need that because they were down ten. So. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of a shame. But yeah, it was fun to see him play well. And like I said, do a little bit more than, than just shoot the ball. But the streak is done at 18. And that was a lot of fun. I mean, it, you know, I, I think all the way back to, I mean, obviously the Utah loss, but when they were two and two, and we were talking a lot about the fact that, you know what, losing games isn't that bad. I mean, it's, it's the regular season. We saw last year that, you know, losing a game in December does not really matter when you get to May or hopefully June. But once the, the streak started to extend, it, it was hard not to be sort of like, ah, oh, I, I want this to just keep going. I want to see if they can get this Lakers game with the streak and then win that one and get to 20. So it's kind of a shame that, that, uh, that it has ended at 18 and, and they won't get uh, to, that, to that Lakers game looking to get to 20. But uh, this was this was a hell of a run. I mean, like I said uh, a couple of podcasts ago, they won sixty games last year, and their longest streak was seven. So uh, this this has and been that a was fun... to start the season, right? Right to start the season. So uh, that's not uh, that's not get too too upset about this one because that's been a, a hell of a fun six weeks. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it would be nice if they had an even bigger cushion atop the East, or you know, or that yeah. they would actually have the best record in the league uh, for sort of potential, um, excuse me, I just got the hiccups, um, fi- potential finals matchup. But uh, at least in the East, uh, you do have a little bit of cushion. Miami losing tonight as well. Uh, the Lakers do play in Indiana on Tuesday. Uh, sounds like maybe Anthony Davis has a sore ankle. He might rest. I think that was a question. Um, so, you know, again, not that you were – expecting Indiana to challenge you in the East, but uh, certainly, you know, anytime an East team that's in that playoff mix loses, Hey, that's fine. Um, so bucks at 24 and four Philly at 20 and eight. So you have a, a solid four game edge uh, on the Sixers at this point. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you, I guess you'd like to see the, the Pacers spring a spring a surprise on the Lakers tomorrow. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think psychologically, uh, you could definitely, I think, make the case that, you know, losing a game, kind of getting uh, a bucket of cold water splashed on you after a month and a half or, you know, five weeks or whatever of, of not losing, um, you know, might be a little good sobering moment for the Bucks to kind of think about how they've been playing and some things that they can still improve on. Um, I, I don't think is, I don't think necessarily the uh, Lakers are going to challenge them in the same way that, you know, what we saw from, from Dallas tonight. Um, but uh again you know it's it's a long long season and right now you're about a third of the way third of the way through it and uh yeah i mean if you were hoping that the bucks were going to win 73 games then every loss is uh you know a minor tragedy but i don't know i don't particularly care i think it'd be i i do certainly hope they win 60 plus just because you know i i do want them to have the best record in the league i i think having uh home court advantage in a potential finals matchup, certainly in the East uh, is useful. <laughs> and obviously this is a team that can play at an extremely high level in the regular season, as long as Giannis is healthy and, you know, you have kind of this complimentary cast playing the way you want. So um, 
so yeah, I mean, every loss is is disappointing in that sense uh, because yeah, the more you win now, the, the more flexibility end of season. If you do have an injury, you do want to rest guys, you know, you can have a little bit more flexibility to kind of pace yourself late in the season, which obviously they were able to do last year. So, um, but, but again, I mean, they're obviously well ahead of the, the pace they were at a year ago. And, um, you know, again, uh, <laughs> you hope that you, the first loss in five weeks doesn't turn into two losses in two games on Thursday, but you know, that's the nature of the game obviously is, uh, how you respond to, to losses last year. They were tremendous. Uh, and obviously this year you, you hope that uh, the same will hold true. Yeah, for sure. And we saw uh, some shots towards the end of the game when Giannis, I mean, he ended up coming back on, but when he was on the bench, he looked really pissed off. And And this Bucks team has generally responded well uh, to losing games and they hate losing. They generally hate losing. They're, they're a bunch of competitors, obviously. And they would have liked to keep this streak going. You could tell that it meant something to them. But uh, now you look to start another streak. And you, you said about losing back-to-back games. They didn't do that all, until February, March last year. Uh, they haven't done it to this point and uh i think personally you lose a game this is this is great this is a great challenge get a lakers team you're going to be motivated for that you're going to be motivated for the loss uh i really am looking forward to this game the the streak does not matter does not dampen my uh enthusiasm to watch this game against the lakers it's going to be uh, a lot of fun and and the lakers i mean we're going to talk about this more the next couple days but they're coming uh they're going to come into milwaukee at at the end of a, a long road trip so um, you know they're probably going to be a little bit fatigued after after having a, a tough stretch of games uh, for them, but it's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, any last thoughts, Frank, before we wrap this up on a very strange, unusual pod after a loss? I, I was really disappointed the Bucks lost, uh, and, and I was very disappointed that Giannis didn't posterize Dorian Finney-Smith because I think <laughs> Finney-Smith had like a Giannis had sort of a, a leaning like backhanded layup attempt that that Finney Smith blocked and he said like get that shit out of here or something like that and it's just like really Dorian Finney Smith you're you're gonna talk to I mean I guess you could argue when are you ever gonna block Giannis so you might as well talk your smack at that point um but I I really wanted to just have Giannis just vaporize him basically with a, a facial uh, and out of all the like rip throughs and dunks he had, I don't know if he got Finney Smith, who obviously normally doesn't guard him much. Uh, so that was that was a little bit disappointing, obviously. But um, but uh, you know, so it goes. There's 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 no no moral victories when you're uh, you know have the best record in the league. So um, I at least was happy that the uh, that Giannis was his incredible usual self. Um, uh, he's up to 31.7 points per game in 31.2 minutes per game. So he is now over a point per minute. Um, I was looking at uh, the uh, looking at basketball reference earlier. I tweeted this out, but the three highest uh, per 36 scoring seasons in since 1973, when kind of basketball reference database sort of starts picking up, I think the per possession data starts in, um, but the per 36 leaderboard in the last uh whatever it's 46 years uh it's james harden this year Giannis this year james harden last year uh and as we were talking about Giannis, much closer to james harden in terms of you know points per possession points per uh, minute this year than he was last year and uh just pretty remarkable just i mean uh, the fact that he continues to just be such an offensive machine um when everybody knows what he's trying to do uh, it's uh, it's really incredible. 
Yeah, I don't know why it. I don't know why it shocked me. I think because we've been looking at how wild the per thirty six numbers are. When the Bucks tweeted out that he was averaging thirty one, uh, actually just a game, I was like, holy shit! I, he is averaging over thirty points. This is absolutely ridiculous. But uh, and the you know the forty eight points is is not going to hurt uh, either of those, considering he only played uh, thirty four minutes. But the Bucks are now twenty four and four, still a, a you know relatively decent record on the season. They uh, they still hold a four game lead over the Sixers for the number one seed in the East. Uh, a couple nights off to regroup and regather before they get the Lakers. Like I said, we're going to go through that game a lot over the next couple of days. But for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we will be back tomorrow.